This is the one with Pisces in the icy high seas. Baby spiders. Marilyn's illegitimate marriage. Sexy, sexy Abigail. And Doctor Who's most original title yet. It's called A Christmas Carol. Here we go! We're still on our endless voyage All through time and all through space With Slavine and Angels now Dalek, Cybers, Uden, wow Tennant, Smith and Eccleston And Capali, he's the man Doctor Who is cool again That was Russell's master plan Who back when? Reviewing all new Who there is Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please Rose and Donna, Amy Pond Rory, Martha and beyond Join us on this odyssey What other choice could there be but Who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who doc past. Or oh, podcast! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, or doc present, or doc future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you're right. No. This is N074, and we are reviewing A Christmas Carol. I am Ponkin, and with me tonight in the Who Back When studio are... Marie! Hello, Marie, and... Drew Back When! Hello, Drew Back When! A Christmas Carol. Yes, Merry Christmas to everyone in podcast land who's listening to this on some future Christmas day. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I should probably say that at the beginning of every episode. Happy Easter! (laughs) Happy Candlemas! Happy Eid! Happy... Yoshashana, happy, happy, yo, whatever. Yoshashana, Yoshashana, Roshashana. Yo, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yoshashana. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know some religions better than others. Sorry, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we last reviewed a Christmas episode. I think. And how Christmassy is it? It's the oh, most Christmassy. It is possibly the most Christmassy. I think so. According to IMDb trivia, that was intentional. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Moffat literally is quoted as saying, "It is the most Christmassy Christmas special ever." Mm. Paraphrase. <laughs> well, when based on the most Christmassy book ever. Yeah. Yeah. How do? You, okay. Shall we jump into that right? Wait. Hang on. We need to B scale this as well. Oh, but yeah. so much to jump into. Oh, so many things. So many things. And there are probably introductory questions. He said knowingly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Shall we bite size chunk of it? Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize, so take a view, and grab a brew, and listen to this overview, this free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Amy and Rory are busy enacting anachronistic sexual role-playing games aboard a starship when they literally fly into a Sharknado. The Doctor travels ahead to save the day, but it turns out that the storm is controlled by Kazran Sardik, the planet's leading misanthrope. Now Doc needs to ghost a Christmas past Kazran by forcing him to fall in love with the woman in his dad's freezer. <laughs> Beastow over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? Hokey pokey. Introductory questions. Why don't you jump in with a question, Leon? You sure? You don't want to ask a question? I feel like you've got some lined up. I only have one question. Okay. Not is it? <laughs> okay, let's hear yours. Is it? Why? When the woman in the freezer says I've only got eight days to live, why does the doctor not try and fix her? I also did wonder why like, he doesn't cure her, but does she he... ever say I only have eight days to live? No, but she references the timer on the outside of the freezer box. It's not to do with the fish, it's about me. Are you my doctor? And he goes, were you ill? Like when you went in there. Oh, um, yeah. And so he is aware that she's ill. He is a doctor of sorts. Oh, I didn't put that Why together, he, actually. Why like, ask her more and find out what illness she's got? Yeah, for someone makes who... makes her really live and fresh and healthy looking. For someone who spends the rest of the episode rewriting someone's entire life up to that point, he's weirdly fatalistic yeah. when it comes to Abigail. It's like, oh, you've got yeah. a day life, never mind. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, this episode does not have a happy ending, mm. not in the traditional sense anyways. It's happy in the sense that, oh, well, they lived happily, ever, like, they spent the rest happy. of her life together. It's happy for the 4,003 people that got saved. Who cares about them? We never even really get to see them. We get to see mm. holograms of them singing in the basement, but yeah. the protagonist of it, she doesn't, or one of the protagonists, she she has to die, mm. and he is then going to be alone and Miserable. will miss her. Yeah. Just get right to the absolute very end. I could not be happy at that ending because they're running through the sky. She could die at any minute. She could nuzzle into his side, but actually she's just flopping over with her life force spent. He could run his hands through her hair and realise, oh dear, she's cold, she's dead, this is the end. And then he has a decision to make. Okay, I was picturing a different awkward scenario. What's his decision? Well, I mean, who would ever know? They're just flying around the sky. I mean, no one could ever be anything. He could just throw her right out <laughs> but he loves why, her. Would he, why would he why throw, would he her, throw out? her out he, he would destroy the evidence yeah, but he weighing could, him down yeah, but he could prove that she was dying of something right I'm surely if there's a time wait hang on why is there a countdown and how is it so specific what is she dying of I mean, this counter is literally, it knows exactly how much it is because at some we even get to see it go Change. from like eight to seven or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, what is it measuring? Yeah. Is it measuring her Super Mario health? You know, like, oh, wait, you're only at this level now. <laughs> Actually, yes, because everybody's countdowns. Nobody else is coming in and out of these freezer boxes. This dial has no purpose for anyone else. Mm. Or does everyone have a dial? Is this a world in which everyone knows exactly how much time they have left? Oh, my goodness. And how harsh is that dial when it's in days? It's like, now you've really got to start worrying. You've got 24 <laughs> hours. Hope you enjoy them. P.S. You won't. <laughs> and by the way, we're not telling you if it's the start or the end of the day. Yeah, as in like, yeah. oh, you have yeah. no idea. Yeah, day zero. Do I get all of that? Or 12 hours? Or when it goes from one, am I just gone? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She could have this episode all wrong. She could have two days left. This is like uh, a proto, what's that Justin Timberlake movie? Oh, on time or something in, in time yeah exactly in time in time yeah. in time on time I think something like that yeah anyway exactly where everyone has a timer and they know exactly how much life they have left yeah, yeah. but this is the but if it was counting down by hour to, or by minute that would be one thing but yeah you're right you, it flips over to day zero and you're just on edge constantly like yeah. okay <laughs> so I'm gonna die today what's gonna, gonna take me yeah hmm. yeah also there are six digits on that thing so hmm quick mental calculations <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have to live about 260 years to use the sixth digit on that fucker. Oh, but that does answer another question of mine. Let's hear it. Is this, do people live, well, not people, but how long do sharks live on this planet? Oh, because it's the same shark at the end. Yeah. Oh, they live super long, don't they? Because on Earth, they live 20 to 30 years. We looked it up. Oh, really? Yeah. 20 to 30. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was way more than that. Well, that's not... (laughs) Evidently. But the sharks on Earth, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't fly. Sharks famously do not fly. They fly through the water, do they not? These sharks are just flying through... Mist. Mist. What's the difference? I think the problem Uh, here is that visually... Fairly big difference. (laughs) Visually, there's no difference, though. A fish looks like a fish. A bigger fish looks like a bigger fish. And not just that. A shark looks like a shark. Yeah. Yeah, Well, a shark is a fish. Yes, sharks are fish. Sharks are the world's biggest fish. uh, Okay. okay. 
All right, okay, fine. But that wasn't the point I was going to make. The, the point I was going to make was, like, this is not some alien fish-like species. This is a shark. It is referenced as a shark. Mm. Like, they refer to it as, like, oh, there's a fucking shark in your bedroom right now. Yeah. It looks exactly like a shark. It is a shark, except for some reason it can fly. Yeah, the whole marine ecosystem from Earth is just transplanted to the sky, no questions asked. But why? That's a question I'm asking you. Well, I'm sorry. Like, because... But is there something weird about the atmosphere or with the fish? This is not supposed to be Earth with a weird atmosphere, is it? This is a different planet. This is a different planet. Yeah, because... Yeah, with humans as well. Why but, but, in, yeah. um, in all the this Christmases... This is like a long time from now in a galaxy far, far away, humans. But in all of the Christmases, every single photo that they take for all the Christmases they go back on, to they're Earth. all on Earth. Every single one of them is on Earth. Yeah, because this planet is evidently a shithole. Yeah, there's nothing and, to see uh, here, remotely <laughs> I, I don't know. If there's a space Florida, there might be a space Pyramids and a space Paris and a space Marilyn Monroe, space Frank Sinatra. <laughs> space Einstein. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. They go back to Earth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and at no point do they say, Doctor, please, can we just stay on our own planet? I mean, <laughs> only once. we have things no, to do. offer. They she do does once. Time. She does once. But that's not about staying on their own planet. That's about staying with her own family. Oh, that's true as well. Yeah. But maybe, to give it a bit more credit than maybe it's due, I think they are Earthlings that have been transported onto a different planet. It's like a colony somewhere. And so somewhere maybe in the they took, they had like a Noah's Ark and they took the animals with them. And, and somehow the fish realized the, that they could fly. There's something weird with the planet. Yeah. yeah. So they got in and they got into the cloud layer accidentally. It's crucial that we bring over the sharks. Yeah, yeah, we can't. The ecosystem doesn't survive without sharks, Drew. We need apex predators. I hope they left wasps behind. They're the worst. <laughs> they did bring over mosquitoes, but the icy fog killed them all. Oh. It's, a, it's a great morning. Yeah. It's no place like home. <laughs> okay, different question? Yeah, I've got a question. Oh. Let's hear it. What do people think of the name Kazran Sardik? <laughs> He's just Ebenezer in my notes. Mm. Kazran Sardik. I, I was wondering for a while whilst watching this last night if that's an anagram for something, but I didn't bother to check it out. <laughs> well, there's no E in the whole name, so there's, there's no Dickens hidden in there. No. Uh, Kazran Sardik. To me, it I sounds like a Mitsubishi and a Lamborghini. <laughs> The Mitsubishi Kazran, available from 28995. Finance subject to status, terms and conditions apply. <laughs> and then, if, like me, you've been given £10 million by the evil empire to make a pointless episode about a pointless supercar, there's only one that really stands out. This is the Lamborghini Sardic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought it was. <laughs> None of it is meaning. I, I don't get it. If everything from Earth is taken and put on this planet, why have the names changed so drastically? Or am I just being... Well, Abigail hasn't changed. No, Abigail hasn't changed. Am I being parochial? Kazran Sardix in podcast land, please write in and tell me how common this name is in your own country. <laughs> and how yeah, blinkered I've been. They're the wealthy. Like They're not like the rest of them. They're head of, like above and controlling and they don't want to have a normal... But no, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, yeah. no, that's not true at all because the dad hadn't invented the machine before he named his child. Oh, but he was clearly but he was already, uh, like, yeah. Why is he the dad already? Poor people. Yeah, he already lived in a castle, yeah. and he was already lending money to people and storing freezing the, like, people. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Just I, not a good guy. I suppose maybe you could say Kazran Sardik is like 
the equivalent of Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm. I mean, how many Ebenezer's and how many Scrooges are there? How many Christmas carols and ghosts of Christmas past and present and future are there? Yeah. Question, do we ever get to find out the other names, the, the names of the family? Is the kid Little Timmy? I was waiting for that. I would have made a note if that had been the case. <laughs> Wagged your finger. <laughs> I might look up the IMDb page and see if oh, it's what just are, what are they poor kind of schlub it number one. It, it took <laughs> well, me a good. while, though, to work I, I have it open, actually, on my screen. Like, to work out who the family works at the, at the beginning. I saw the little boy, and then they went back, and I was like, but he's the same age. How did they all age so drastically, and the little boy is the same? But it's not. He's the grandson, I think, I believe. Oh, yeah? I think... It's not Timmy, by the way. There's uh, there's a boy who is credited as boy and one who is credited as Benjamin. Benjamin. Then I think the dad is Eric. That is definitely Why not said. Name them all. Yeah. No either. They're definitely not given name to. Who them. was Isabella? Is that the sister? The sister. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe she does get a name. Yeah. Hmm. There's no Eric though. <laughs> okay. Oh wait. Can I just point out the the most amazing name? Uh, this is not a character name. This is an actor's name. So the one who plays the captain of the starship, mm. her first name is Pookie. P double O K Y. Like Garfield's teddy bear. Oh, really? Pookie. Yes. yes, exactly. Oh, I didn't know that. But Pookie's a wonderful name. That's, adorable. that's a that's a genuinely wonderful name. Yeah. Okay, nice one. Pookie. Okay. Wait, what was the question again? <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay, I'll I'll lead on with an observation. Okay, let's hear it. I thought for the first five seconds of this episode that it was going to be a cold star. Oh. But no, it just turned out to be a cold planet. I thought maybe they realised it would be fun to have a real one, but mm. no. Oh, that would have been good. So my episode began and ended with disappointment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got a question. There's a phone call for you. It's the president. <clears throat> the president of what? Mm. Because this episode suffers from that same sci-fi malaise that we have discussed on Who Back When before many a time. Like, oh, let's go to the planet. Same city, same everything. Yeah. Uh, where is the thing that we're looking for? Same city, same country, whatever. Like, it's always the same place. Yeah. This starship is about to crash into the planet. Talk to Sardik Khan. The president is calling. We don't even find it, like, of the country? Of the planets? Well, I guess what. If you were in America and the president was calling you, they wouldn't say the president of America. They would just say the president. Yeah, that's true. If Theresa May was calling you, they would say the prime minister's on the phone. They wouldn't say the prime minister of England. That's true. But okay, so you're... Theresa May. (laughs) 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 Okay, so if you are piloting a starship Mm. and you are overshooting countries, continents, very quickly... Mm. Why can't you just steer it slightly to the left and crash somewhere where there is no Sardic Khan? Because the, the cloud is taken over. They can't steer. So he controls the whole planet. Yeah, yeah. the whole sky. The and sky. it's just going to disintegrate in the cloud layer somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. Still feels like this planet is village-sized. <laughs> That's my problem with it. Mm. No? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it could absolutely be end of series one Rick and Morty-sized. Yeah, exactly. Where they live in that cabin. Tiny planet. Watch Rick and Morty. It's so good. It's so good. Is this a Rick and Morty podcast? No, it's not. Okay, different question. My annoying thing from that scene is the Doctor says, come along, Pond. This was the perfect opportunity to show that the Doctor had grown. Come along, Ponds. Yes. Yes. Can he not type one more S? Oh, oh, at the end. Sorry to jump forward again. But they do it again. They, Amy and the Doctor have their little moment. And they're like, oh, isn't it so sad? They're going to die now and he's going to be miserable forever. And they look, like shut Rory in the TARDIS. Why is Rory not allowed to be part of that conversation? I don't know. Yeah, good point. I mean, just, They're just ex- still excluding him. He's the husband now. He's a 
fully fledged. Yeah. He's in the credits. He's in the opening this credits. This is the first time that he yeah. shows up in the opening credits. Yeah. Really? Not even in the Big Bang? He no. Oh my, oh my goodness. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, he should be included and he's not. He's still being discarded. And yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Speaking of discarding them. Okay. Here's, here's my other question. Do you think the doc has whole adventures by himself whenever his companions aren't watching? I hope so. I think so. I think this would have been an adventure by himself while they were on their honeymoon. Oh. And, he, and he only came because they called and said, we're in trouble, come save us. So he was off somewhere doing... Oh, he was doing his thing. You're yeah. right. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Yeah. But then on top of that, when he's going to save them, you'd think that with a sonic screwdriver and a TARDIS, there's probably something he can do. The TARDIS can't lock on. Okay, but his TARDIS is up on the roof. Okay. And he's using his TARDIS... Oh, what? You lock on to them, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean, he, he can do something else, right? He can travel back in time and just manipulate the machine or manipulate the clouds or whatever it is. Travel back in time and divert the starship or something like that. Mm. But instead it's like, fuck it. I'm going to spend maybe, I'm going to say three months yeah. with young Ebenezer Scrooge yeah. while they are tumbling to their doom in the what, future. What is the ethics of this as well? Because he always says oh. about like when you're in a, an event you can't go back and change it so you can't go back and re-divert the ship because that would be but um, he is diverting the course of ebenezer's life a life exactly and not just one life as well against his will one my lad yeah pretty immoral <laughs> yeah but yeah d- has he done that before i don't think so no not a new who. the classics it seems a fairly new sort of model for how time can be rewritten as well mm. they don't explain it but I wonder if somewhere in Moffat's head he was like, you can't go back and rewrite the Starship because that's 4,403 timelines. That's too complicated. Mm. There are too many interactions. Time will collapse. Ebenezer only really interacts with Abigail. Mm. Although also their family. It it does branch out very quickly, actually, and, yeah. and stop working. Yeah. But there hasn't been that sort of platform to build that ethical question on top of as yet. Yeah. He's very keen on you shouldn't meet your future or past selves as well. Yeah, let alone sort of hug them. Yeah. Or slash strike them. Because there's a moment when in the Silurian episode where Amy and Rory see future Amy and Rory and they're like, oh, oh, let's go say hi. And he's like, no, you must not do this. Yeah, exactly. But they are seasoned time travellers by this point. They understand that that's a future version of them and they know, like... He gives an eight-year-old boy, here is your future self. And they hug. He's awful. They, they, they so, hug and, yeah. they, and as in they touch. And yeah. oh, uh, oh. For that reason, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just remember that the touching, that happened, didn't that happen with the uh, Sonic? Sonic, exactly what I've written in my thing. It's in my fucking notes is what I was about to say. Well, it's in my head. <laughs> I, I wrote, why are there no sparks when, when the Ebenezer's hug? Because when the Sonics touched, touch. there was a spark. And yes. he was like, oh, yeah, same object difference. Time, whatever, something. Shouldn't the kid have exploded in old Ebenezer's (laughs) hug? Like, he would just be there covered in guts. His brain should have exploded. Future (laughs) Ebenezer should just be, like, Like rocking in a chair. (laughs) (laughs) A wedding dress. (laughs) With burn marks all over it. (laughs) 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 That is revolting. (laughs) I I imagine maybe Moffat 
pitched this at a slightly younger audience for the family at Christmas, and and also not just a younger audience, but people who aren't seasoned sci-fi mm. watchers. So we we might have the young kids who are completely au fait with everything about the Doctor Who universe, but we're getting Granny and Granddad involved, and we yeah. don't need yeah. to make this any more complicated for them than it has to be. But it does make it incredibly inconsistent. (laughs) And this is also the whole Christmas episode poetic license. Sometimes... Okay, so in this one, they've simplified it, as you said. Like, they've made it more accessible to the whole family. They've... Whatever. I don't know what you do on Christmas Day like in the UK. Like, actually, Sit around and watch Doctor Who. Is that, yeah. That's it. You drink, I'm going to say eggnog. <laughs> no. You, is, did you, sherry? Oh, do, sherry, and you, do you open your Christmas presents already, or is this the following that's day? That's done in the morning. That's already that's done like, in the that's, morning. That's before breakfast. So everyone's there, and the little cocker spaniels fetch your slippers and everything. We all sat on the floor because proper adults have the chairs. Yeah. and um, Dad's wearing his Larry new socks. Nice. And I'm okay. here in this episode. Half asleep and snoring, and we're going, Shh, Dr. Who's on. Okay. Yeah. All right, so sometimes, in order to cater to all of them, as you said, like it's just the most basic yeah. of sci-fi stories, but then other times it becomes ridiculously silly, or it becomes, you know, sort of over-the-top sci-fi. Last Christmas with Capaldi is super... It's got every single sci-fi trope you can imagine stuffed into one episode. Mm. Yeah, I think perhaps that's indicative of Moffat's Doctor Who just becoming less and less accessible as it went along. I mean, there was there was an effort with Bill to sort of reboot it, but it's much harder sci-fi. It's it's not general family viewing anymore. No, that's true. Okay, and this is representative of a family show. Yeah, this is before he's quite diverted it from RTD's template into his own insular creation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Should we talk about Michael Gambon? Oh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore! (laughs) (laughs) And many other excellent roles. Oh, yes, certainly. Well, can we name one? Many, many other? There are like three characters in the whole thing. (laughs) No, I mean mean in his career. Oh, in Dumbledore's career. Sorry, I thought you meant in this episode. The only uh, thing I know him from is The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, God, I love that so much. <laughs> He's in Layer Cake. Uh? Are you I'm being him? I am. Oh, let's hear it. Let's do a quick Michael Gambon quiz. Like, angry, vengeful, his, violent character, which is why I was very confused. When his voice is made for audiobooks. Oh, yeah. I would listen to him narrate anything. Now, yeah. You know whose voice is made for audiobooks? Bernard Cribbins. Oh, oh. He, has, he has this incredibly clear diction, and it is a beautiful voice when he's not sort of... When he's not will. it up when for will. When yeah. he's not will. Yeah, exactly. I can't do it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Michael Gambon has been in Paddington 2. Don't count it. No. (laughs) Okay. Not what he wants to be remembered for. Paddington 1. Not what he wants to be remembered for. He came back for the second one. (laughs) Yeah, he needed a new pool. Yeah, he's been in Gosford Park. Okay. He was, it says children in need. He was Kazran Sardik. There might be a little bit of There's probably, extra yeah. footage. Wait, yeah, exactly. Because they found a cure for Abigail and they lived happily ever after. Oh, I bet that's it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh. Then he doesn't have to end in disappointment. <laughs> okay, he was Bean in the Fantastic Mr. Fox film. Oh, yes, he was. Yeah, he was. He was in the King's Speech. He's, he's also in, uh, in he's in Life Aquatic. Yeah. Is he? Yes, yeah. he is. 
And this is just his on the West old Anderson man post two thousand stuff. I mean, we could. Oh, he's also in Ali G in the house. Oh, Don't count it. <laughs> this stuff has to be counted. We have to hold these people to account for their dreadful mistakes. But I mean, at least seventy years in the future, the Oscars are going to at some point in the very distant future, the Oscars are going to do an in memoriam, and it's not going to be like. We remember him from Ali G in the house. (laughs) Paddington 2. The beast must die. (laughs) Yeah. I'll probably cut that because I don't want to laugh about (laughs) Michael Gambon's future demise. (laughs) So, yeah. Acting royalty, essentially. And he's a big theatre actor as well. Yeah, an actual real life sir. Sir Michael Gambon. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Gambon is terrific. He also played his dad in this one. Mm. Yes. Oh, there's a TV trope connected to that. Oh, let's hear it. Identical grandson, where someone plays <laughs> different generations of their own family. Yeah. Marie, I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, Can you think of the f- most famous filmic version of this trope? Is it Kind Hearts and Coronets? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Maybe. I mean, I can't prove you wrong. Right, good. I was thinking of one that Jim would definitely know. Oh, What's Jim's favourite Is it Blade Runner? Hints, hints. Give us some hints. It also involves time travel. Hints. What's Jim's favourite? Oh. I'm so confused. Oh. Can I? If you can. Back to the Future 3? Yes! Oh, it's Back to the Future 3! Seamus McFly! (laughs) (laughs) What, is that his his real grandson? Seamus McFly is Marty McFly's great-grandfather. And he just leans up against the bar and says, Oh, you've got a feeling about this one. Uh, Oh, fuck him. Wait, what? Oh, I'll fuck him. Is that what you said? <laughs> no, no, no. Someone else can. Like, oh, I got a feeling about this one. It's no, busy. no, no. Fuck. Back to the Future Part Three. <laughs> oh, I see. I like Back to the Future Part Three. Oh, I used to respect you it's, in your opinions. It's it's still Back yeah. to the Future. It's not the first one, clearly, but it's still good. How dare you? Well, I was right. <laughs> I was right about Kind Hearts and Coronets. <gasps> really? Well, Alec Guinness plays every member of his family. Oh, wow. No way. <laughs> it's such a fantastic film. So Alec film. Guinness is like the proto-Eddie Murphy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the clumps. Like, it's the best. You really need to watch it. <laughs> I love Alec Guinness. He has such good comedy timing. He does. He I does. didn't, he I really didn't does. know that. Yeah. Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan. Yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Bridge of a River Kwai. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, right. And while you're at it, look up Alistair Sim. He's also great. Who's Alistair Sim? We're getting off topic. Okay, <laughs> Focus, people. <laughs> Any other actors that you would like to point out in this episode? I believe there was well, someone's name that was floating out. Catherine Jenkins. Bajing, bajing. Oh, yes. Her of the famous pipes. Mm. So, sexy, lovely, sexy Abigail. Lovely Welsh singer. Who? who? Lovely Welsh opera singer. Opera, is she, uh, yeah. That was our guest. We watched this last night. I'm like, she clearly is an opera singer. Yeah. Like she was no normal actor or actress has no, that voice. No. That's or is given that much time to sing in an episode. Yeah. Yeah. She's like really, really famous. It's kind of the only British modern day opera singer, I guess. Really? That I could Since name. Charlotte Church packed Since it in Charlotte Church, and tried yeah. to go pop. Oh, Charlotte. Oh, I didn't realise. That rear of the year really screwed her over. Oh dear. Mm. That what, sorry? She won rear of the year. Rear of the year? Yeah. Is that what I think it is? I think so. What do you think it is? I'm, I'm thinking it's a... People it, rate women's backside. Exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and she was only 16, bless her. Oh, and, uh, that's yeah, pretty bad. weird. Yeah. Now she's poor, trying to put it behind her. Push up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, Abigail, I feel like was a little underdeveloped, bless her. She was very beautiful, sings very beautifully, but... 
doesn't really get much personality. And then I did sort of wonder maybe it's partially because she's not really an actress. And maybe they kind of gave her all the singing-y bits, but didn't want to kind of tax her too much with so they froze proper her. acting. Yeah. yeah, just look pretty and st- stand and oca- there. And occasionally... Don't yeah. do much. Bit of snogging, bit of singing, you're done. I'll cut this bit. Okay. Only now did it click for me that she has the same name as your wife <laughs> and that previously oh. you were doing the whole sexy, sexy Abigail as a message to your wife, perhaps. Yes, exactly. I did not get that until <laughs> now. I didn't get wow. that. So, so, uh, <laughs> I've been hinting as loudly as I can. <laughs> I've never called her Abigail. <laughs> no, nor, nor I. She's yeah. just, exactly, yeah. exactly. It what? was only now that I got that. So it's like before, uh, both of us were like, really? You want to like, say sexy? <laughs> You want to do this? You're married, you know. Like, one do you want to say notes, these things? I'm going to get in trouble if I say something like that. One of my notes was specifically that every blonde Abigail I've ever married or seen on Doctor Who is stunning, but in that order. Ranked, ranked in that order. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that is, that, yeah. I'm not cutting any of this. No, that's yeah, yeah, no this is great. <laughs> no, I, I do need to explain that. Please, please don't cut that. <laughs> Abby's going to be at home being like, who's this other Abigail then? <laughs> well, she could have been the audience, couldn't she? <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I also think, to link those two together, that Gambon does his best acting at one of the weakest moments in the episode when she's singing that terrible song about the silence, the silence, the silence, the silence, the silence, the silence, the silence. At the end. Yeah. yeah. And lots of silence hints. And yeah. it's an awful song. And the lyrics are bad and simple. And she's doing the best she can. She's got an amazing voice voice but it doesn't yeah. stop the song being it's not really awful. a christmas song like, it also, also so many nice yeah songs. it also seemed really silly that she had to do that and waste what little precious life she has left yeah. surely there are recording devices in this world like just yeah. record one verse done and now like you just enjoy the rest of your one day <laughs> we'll play this thing on a loop yeah you know yeah. podcast for the other 23 hours on interesting <laughs> topics <laughs> and things other people have created but michael gambon is doing an excellent job of being utterly transfixed and adoring mm. of this terrible song. Mm. And not for one second can you see him going, this is rubbish. <laughs> I mean, some scenes, fine, but this, oh dear. I can't wait to get back to Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> or toys. <laughs> Michael Gambon is wonderful in this. He is. So good in this episode. Mm. For ages, I was looking at the little boy, little young Kazran, thinking, he looks a lot like Rory Williams. <laughs> I don't think there's no. any relation there. No. Oh, the twist at the end. The, uh-huh. um, when he goes, show go on then, show me my future. And he's like, and it's, He's I actually am. taking him to and his past and everything. Oh, I it's, love that. I didn't see that coming. No, right. It's really clever. That's wonderful. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. And mm. I do feel like you can see a changing in old Kazran. He's softer after that. Yeah. And I like that it grumpy old men are made, not born. Like there's always a story. You see this guy and he's evil and he just wants everyone to die. And you kind of think there's nothing there. But yeah, you go back and you learn what made people that way. That's always really interesting. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah. You talked about the ethics of changing Kazran. The doctor is essentially providing him with a surrogate father figure, or at least an older brother figure. Yeah. When there's no question that, the actual father is just utterly irredeemable and could not be worse Mm. pretty much in every way ethically himself hitting his child the values he holds dear for his business it's like no there's not much gray area there is there no 
It's giving him a second chance at life, but it's essentially. Just, I just think mm. it's a really odd... It's just a thing for a time travelling to go back and that directly change something to have an impact on the present. Because he doesn't know how these events are going to change. And he doesn't also know Kazaran's history. Yeah. He doesn't know that there haven't been great times. Yeah, there could have been events in his life that he's written out and that he'll never... Maybe he fell in love with somebody else and that will never happen now. And like you, you, you don't know what... Like, yeah, like in a Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, exactly. Isn't that we were touching upon this at the very start of this recording? The the immorality yeah. of it's not just changing his life; it's changing her life as well. Everybody's he, lives. That let's say that he doesn't know that she has eight days to live. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she wants to do something else with her life. Uh, no, maybe know? she doesn't want to come every Christmas. To exactly. Two strangers. Maybe she wants got loved ones that she wants to hang out. Yeah, with. exactly. Yeah. You're wasting her time. Yeah. The longer that segment went on, the weirder it got. Which segment? The middle portion of the episode. Oh, like, closed door, open oh. door, new Christmas. Let's do something else. The, uh, you're an eight-year-old boy, and now four, doors, four days later, oh, you're quite hot, actually. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, haven't you grown? Which yeah. is the only line that anyone can ever say in that scenario. <laughs> in <laughs> any medium, ever. Yeah. It made, made me think of the prequel Star Wars things. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. And how creepy. I always think that's so, like, that's so creepy when... Amidala is hanging yeah. out with... Yeah, and it's the same. Ugh. But it's worse because it's a much shorter time frame. It's also happened yeah, it in is. Doctor Who with the girl in the fireplace. Oh, how you've grown. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Which is which we also talked about during that recording. Yeah. That is super duper bloody weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Mm, haven't your genitals flowered? <laughs> oh. I, mean, I bet you didn't say that on the first one. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't get this really awkward thing out of my mind from before now. I mean, Kazran Sardik, he never has a different relationship, right? He never... Well, not that we see. He never even speaks to a girl. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's he all. Doesn't know, that Ever. really bothered me as well. He doesn't know how to speak to a girl. And then... Oh, like, I went to Oxford and I didn't know how to speak to a girl. I don't, it's just such a... Brag. Like, it's all... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, let me, let me do that again. By the time I went to university, I didn't know how to speak to a girl. There we go. I'm keeping them both in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's always Sorry. there. It's like, oh, women are so mysterious and unreadable. I couldn't possibly have a conversation with one. What do I do? And the, then the doc's like, oh, God, don't ask me. I don't know either. Like, I like the doc's comeback. He said, I made a note over here. He says, like, oh, a kisser, it's either this or go into a room and design a new kind of screwdriver. Yeah. Yes, that was brilliant. That's a great line. <laughs> yeah. I did like that. Yeah. Yeah, the doc has some good lines. As always. He does. As ever. I, th- I like the doc and the kid, actually, when he's talking about, like, the monsters under the bed, so we won't look there. And then the, what do they call them? The baby head spiders. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. There is Something some like that. Wonderful little... Born solely to crawl into the back of your cupboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a sweet, <laughs> sweet thing. And all the parents are there with their eight-year-olds going, oh my God, little Johnny, don't listen. There's oh, nothing in your I bed. Mean, he prefaces it by, you definitely shouldn't look under the bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's either like, there's a monster under your bed or that's where you hide your porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first one, then the other. Yeah. <laughs> this, is all, this is also the counterpart to his interactions with Amelia Pond. Mm. Oh, yeah. The series. Yeah. Yes. Super good You can point. do it with any child going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry, also because I made a note of it as a fantastic line of his. It's the, I've only got two goals, then it's your turn. Oh, two my goals God. Two yes. arms. I love that. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. I have a point, which is that there's a lot of 
mention of boring and getting bored and easily bored and boredom and who invented boredom in this oh. episode and it, it's never really fulfilled it's never capped it's like why did he carry on about it because those were mostly the only lines that fell flat and i thought oh okay but at least there's a pattern to them they're mm. gonna be strung into something and no i didn't get None it at all mm. boredom had nothing to do with There's the plot anything. or the characters really mm. maybe there was some tenuous idea in the first place to say that well ebenezer scrooge has nothing entertaining about his life like the, he never he doesn't have any friends he doesn't entertain strangers he has nothing to do with the outside world like the world outside of his living room basically so now here comes a chap with a time machine to make his life less boring I don't know. Maybe, Maybe there was a different idea with mm. this episode and then the episode evolved, but the script didn't. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the dialogue didn't. Yeah. I also have another point. Let's hear dialogue, it. Which yeah. is that he Sherlock's the room at one point and he says, oh, but you've got a father's painting up there, but it's pointing away. And so you, you can't bear to sit where he's looking and all this stuff. And he's talking so quickly. I had to watch that scene twice. Oh, really? How are children fat yeah. and sleepy with turkey yeah. supposed to keep up with that? <laughs> and grandma. <laughs> <laughs> And Grandad's had two slices. Did did and that sherry. did that scene remind you of any other Moffat TV show, perchance? Don't know what you're on about. <laughs> if it's Sherlock, then he already said it. Did you mention this scene specifically? Sorry, possibly. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. No, I th- I thought you said. Oh, there's something. Oh, fuck, you know. Fuck, forget me. Forget. You just forget. proved my point. If you talk too quickly, you can't keep up. <laughs> I would have liked to see more physical changes in the future Kazran as well, because both times we watched it, the doc does this thing about bow ties are cool, and then Kazran, old Kazran, looks down and like he's wearing his bow tie, yeah. and I was like, oh my god, was he wearing that before? And I always forgot to. He does change like, it, it does when it he look, when he change? leaves the doctor, sort of the you know end of Act Two. It's yeah. all going downhill, the meeting of the goddess, Kazran. whatever. The, he son, he changes it to a tie, to a yeah, regular tie, yeah. or like a cravat. I think. <laughs> But like old Kazran, like his memories are changing and you see it's almost like he's living it with them. Because I think at the beginning I was a bit confused as whether he was watching it or not. But I don't think he is. It's the only the bit in the cupboard is recorded. And then it, when it cuts out after that, I don't think he's watching it anymore. He's just his memories fresh. Okay. Um, which is basically him just in a room screaming at nothing. Um, which Michael Gambon yeah. again does... Which- Pretty well. He does do pretty well. But yeah, when the, when the doc um, is screaming the code to get in the vault and the doc comes up and hears it. That's, that's, the, bi- that's the Bill and Ted moment. That's quite nice. But yeah, but why is why is he screaming into the void? It's like, this happened 50 years ago. Well, isn't that because the memory is only but, then? Like, yeah. it's, it's coming back in waves. But I think somehow. for him, it's fresh and he's like living it with them almost he even says i have new memories yeah something like that yeah. so he must notice as it's happening yeah. as he is developing these new memories yeah, they're changing and yeah. I, but yeah. you can and also remember i think that he references the old memories as well does he yes yeah he remembers who he was before the doctor changed him and grouses that the doctor has been messing yeah oh yeah yeah you're right yeah which is terrible by the way why is he not more bitter about that yeah mm. well, he is he's plenty bitter He's bitter to come within, you know, a couple of inches of just thwacking his past self <laughs> yeah. for what? turning up. Yeah. But that's the wrong person to thwack. Yeah. He, I mean, he is powerless to stop the doctor from just mind violating him. Mm. In fact, the doctor taunts him by going like, here, no, no, we're going to keep this camera rolling so that future you can see how I am changing him. Yeah. This is, that's a dreadful thing, yeah. actually. I mean, he doesn't know what's his face, Ebenezer, very well. So maybe Ebenezer is super happy with the guy he is. Yeah. 
Maybe he doesn't want to change, even for the better. Mm. You know? Maybe he doesn't get that porn stash to put under his bed now. <laughs> Thousands <laughs> of beautiful wanks are undone. <laughs> oh, poor Ebenezer. Yeah, exactly. And he had that fish fetish. Yeah. No more mermaid porn for Ebenezer. Mermaids. Are there mermaids up there? Mermaids. I don't know. I mean, surely, I'm asking purely out of curiosity. I mean, how, how steamed up would Academic the interest. Get? Reenacting that Titanic scene. Shplack. With a fi- okay, Shplack. Is that the noise? That- that's exactly the noise. That's, <laughs> okay. uh, that's Jack's hand against the, the inside of some stranger's cars in which he's bonking. Oh, of course it is, yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Apologies for that. So the doctor met Santa. Do you mean Jeff? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is that that's actually the sort of Santa? That's the, that's Santa. Jeff Christmas. Jeff Claus. Um, Jeff whatever it was. I assume so. But don't we meet Santa later? Does Clara meet Santa? Yes. And I, what I was thinking, well, the doctor meets Santa as well. And what I was thinking was, does Capaldi? I don't really remember, but does he ever look at Nick Frost and go, "You're not Santa. I know Santa." <laughs> Is there anything like that? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I wonder. Mm. Now I kind of want to watch that again. That'd be nice. To I really see liked that. Yeah. last Christmas on IMDb. It's, he's just listed as Santa Claus. Yeah, Ugh, boring. Yeah, because he's not real Santa Claus. Because he's just a figment of Clara's imagination, yeah. or possibly someone else's imagination. Sad times. Sad times. Okay. All right. Father Christmas. Father Christmas. Father Christmas. Father Christmas. Sure. For a Christmas episode, by the way, one thing that it was missing, I thought, was uh, the intro sequence. It wasn't Christmassy. You know, sometimes they change the planets to baubles or they add snowflakes or something else to the intro opening credit sequence. Oh, okay. This is just the regular thing. I don't know. I've never noticed that. All right. Not very Maybe it's a later thing. Maybe they do it later, yeah. Maybe. Okay. One thing that is common to this Christmas episode and Moffat's last Christmas episode oh. is Silent Night, the carol. Oh, really? Mm. Yes. In the trenches, the Germans start going, and in this one, Catherine Jenkins is also singing it. Yeah. Wait, does she sing it? She doesn't sing it in German, but she does sing it. Yeah. Mm. That's what she's singing to calm the shark down in the icebox zone. The first time. Yeah. Mm. Not the weird silence song that's not Christmassy. No. Less said about that, the better. (laughs) Oh, oh, I do like how Doc gets the idea for the Christmas carol, though, when he's on the phone with Amy and she's like, what are you saying? I can't hear you. And he keeps going, a Christmas carol. And then he has this like light bulb moment. Yeah, that is it. That's an idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, aha, that's what I'll do. <laughs> and when he comes, <laughs> when he's on the roof, um, and he comes down the chimney and he's like, it's Christmas Eve. I saw a chimney. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> like, that's, that's really fun. Yeah. That reminded me of how I was annoyed no one in this episode was called Carol. It no. didn't have to be Abigail, although that would have been my preferred, mm. but no one, <laughs> not even not even shitty Benjamin had a brother, a sister. Maybe Benjamin, Carol, I don't even know. Or a brother called Carol P- with a K. Po- I mean, Pookie might have been called Carol. Oh yeah, I forgot about Pookie. She, she was just, yeah, she was just Captain. Captain Carol. Pookie, Pookie, <gasps> yes. Captain. Yeah. Captain Carol, yeah, yeah. No, they went for the alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> it's really her story. Did you like that starship, by the way? It's super duper Star Trek TNG. But everything was very white. I it think even ha- uniforms would be hard to keep clean. Yeah, I thought it was like <laughs> Star Trek TNG, even La Forge with the uh, the mm, eye thingy, the eye whatever, thing. the visor, Ow. if Apple designed it. Because yeah. everything's white and shiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was getting the odd Janeway vibe off her, but that's not TNG. Yeah, okay, sure. There's no La Forge. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay, hang on. Wait, you mentioned Abigail a second ago. Yes. So when we were watching this last night, Miriam and I, Miriam has, I would say, at least under normal circumstances, exceptional wig da. Like if someone is wearing a wig, she will notice it. 
And last night we were watching it, and she was just like, "Wig, wig, 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 wig." Her wig doll was just sounding all over the place. Is Abigail? What's her face? Jenkins. Catherine Jenkins. Catherine Jenkins. Is she wearing a wig in this one? And is it incredibly intrusive? I could well believe she was wearing a wig. It didn't really bother me. I don't see why she would be wearing a wig, because as we've said, she's not a regular actress. She wasn't filming anything else at the time that required her to have a different haircut. She just... Yeah, but she's this, like, blonde, ethereal beauty. Maybe Catherine Jenkinson's hair isn't quite as dramatic in real life. And they've made her more... Like, she's basically Sleeping Beauty. But you can achieve that with... Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, yes. Nice. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but you can achieve that with product as well, can't you? Yeah. How much product have you used? Well, about one TV show's worth. <laughs> <laughs> like the premium stuff. Do you think we wouldn't all have the hair stuff that like you that? Get from your spa if you could do it with product. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm I'm looking her up on IMDb right now, and I I think she is blonde. But I'm, I'm could, not sure that's a wig. I could believe that they'd like filled it out and made it more luxurious. Do you know what? Really? It's her curse. It's her curse to have hair that good that all the wig makers <laughs> of the world aspire to it, and now she's just unjustly vilified for having. The best hair around. By people like Mirimo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so called Wigdar experts. <laughs> I swear she has fantastic she Wigdar. Has, she has wonderful hair in real life. Do you know? Look, here's her hair in real life. It's nice. Where is it? Hang on, we're, we're live Googling like her. an image search. Like she has beautiful yeah, hair. That's but tremendously it's... voluptuous hair. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There was a moment where eyebrows were, <laughs> <laughs> were signaling to each other. Oh, now I've looked at the Doctor Who picture. It's definitely a wig. It is a wig. Yeah. It's a wig. Really? Yeah. It's a wig. Let's have a look at this picture. I suppose I haven't got wig dar. <laughs> I mean, it, is, it is longer than she typically I don't has. Have, I don't have wig dar either, but there's something super wiggy about it. Yeah. According to, well, Marie and Miriam. <laughs> I mean, this episode is fishy in general, so, you know, I, I can understand. Sure. Speaking of the fish. Oh, let's hear it. The shark's dying, sad times, Mm -hmm. it was just hungry. Doesn't that remind you a lot of... Hungry can look a lot like evil from the wrong end of the cutlery. Ooh, who says that? Capaldi says that. He does. About... I think just something in the pilot. (laughs) Oh. I think that's when that's from. Oh, maybe. The pilot, the episode, the pilot. Yeah. Oh, I, maybe. So what I'm saying is that Moffat is just recycling his ideas. Maybe. Shamelessly. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, they're good ideas. Yeah. I mean, this is an episode that recycles a Christmas carol, mm. so, yeah. you know, this is the least of his crimes. <laughs> okay, sure. Oh, also about the shark, wasn't the shot of the fin slinking across the screen behind Kazran in the icebox? Did that not grab anyone else? I like that. I, was, I mean, it's like no, a Jaws thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And there was another shot as well where Smith and young Kazran come down from the top into a room. Smith sort of pirouettes around the room looking at everything interesting and the camera just moves very smoothly and follows them with perfect timing out of the other door. I thought that was great as well. Oh. Some good camera work. I don't remember. Uh, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> well done, cameramen. Yeah, bravo. And cinematographer. And women. Possibly. And women. Yeah. I was using the neutral camera. I apologize. I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. No, no, I apologize. <laughs> also, how great was it that Kazran was wearing a Tom Baker scarf and the, uh, a fez and it's in his nose. It's in his nose. <laughs> Doc and kids in Baker scarf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also from that, it cuts to 
I don't know if it's deliberate, but it then cuts from the Tom Baker scoff. It's like a black and white photo that he sees of them with whatever. Yep. To adolescent, or maybe like in his 20s or something, Ebenezer Scrooge. And he is wearing a cravat and a very disheveled sort of whatever. It, it really, really reminded me of Troughton. Like it just made hey. me think of Troughton. I don't know if maybe that's just a coincidence or I'm wrong, but that was the Im- image that I was like, oh, cool. I just realized that we need to cut the whole hour, go back to the beginning and re-record calling him Ebenezer Stooge all the way through. <laughs> Ebenezer Stooge. Ebenezer Stooge, that's what we're doing. Well done. <laughs> just everyone say Ebenezer Stooge right now and we can paste it in. <laughs> You're too far away, but high five. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe? Yeah, that went surprisingly far. Yeah. (laughs) They get married. As far as Marilyn Monroe is aware, she married the doctor. Mm. Yeah. It's just kind of sad. I feel kind of bad for her. She doesn't know that it wasn't a real chapel and so on and that she'll never see him again. She just married someone and... This also made me think of a question of what happens in the Whitaker era. Does she seduce all the great male figures throughout history? Or female? Like... All female, indeed. Like, yeah, Julius Caesar had him for Cleopatra. And then I had Cleopatra because that was River Song. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Good point. True. Yeah, because we we were saying in the last episode about Smith not being sexy and, like, not playing up that as much as Tennant. But they still have this whole, like, yeah, yeah, I've, like, had her and and now I've married Marilyn and... Yeah. But it's not a had someone always. There's a recurring theme of him boning, is it Elizabeth I? Yeah. But that's it. Then in this case, like he met Marilyn at a party and she just, for some weird reason, falls head over heels in love with him and decides we're going to get married tonight. Yeah. And then they do. do. (laughs) For some weird reason, read copious alcohol. Yeah. Copious alcohol and Frank Sinatra singing in the background. (laughs) I'm I'm doing duets with a doctor. I'm surprised you didn't fall in the swimming pool. (laughs) frankly. It's just a big splash. Coming, Mm. Marilyn! (laughs) But yeah, it's going to be a more charged conversation, isn't it? If Jodie Whittaker drops some names from history, of whatever gender, Mm. then there's going to be a, well, that's not like it was. That's a sad problem, because even if it is exactly as it was, you know that there's a portion of the audience that's going to judge her and the writers for like, oh, well, now you're over-sexualizing the Doctor just because the Doctor's a woman now. It's like, no, 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 no. This was going on with Matt Smith and with everyone. I think they won't do it. For fear of it. Yeah. I reckon you're right. That'll be a shame because they've always done it and it's always been just this fun little tease that he's always, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if they do it, fuck it, you know where I stand. We've had this conversation (laughs) on the show. (laughs) We'll fall that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I initially thought the blonde in the photo was Einstein and that it wasn't going to be Marilyn Monroe, but no, no Einstein. Disappointed. Okay, question. What were Amy and Rory doing in their respective get-ups on the starship? Well, Rory was conquering an untamed province. (laughs) (laughs) And Amy was acting as... Defending the Gallic regions or... Well, Amy was just acting as Rory's thought police over and over again and telling him exactly how to behave okay. and enforcing his, his oh, moral code. That's actually what they were doing. So you don't yeah. think that... But she's yeah. wearing her kissogram, kissogram outfits, outfit, yeah. her, like, sexy policewoman outfits, mm. and I'm not sure the Centurions wore underwear under those things. So... Leon, what are you implying? 
Oh, is there honeymoon? They're out seeing the it stars. Is, it it's is the honeymoon. I keep romantic. forgetting it's the honeymoon. Yeah. They're in the honeymoon suite. How can you forget? Well, yeah, they are in the, in the honeymoon suite. Mm. Yeah. That's Amy, a fun Amy honeymoon. Is, Amy's <laughs> trying to pay off that honeymoon by Skype kissogramming <laughs> or strippogramming <laughs> back to Earth. The entire crew. This is how they got to the honeymoon suite. They had to pay their way. Yeah. And Rory is just a cameo extra as and when someone with that particular fetish. Wait, something just dawned on me. She was dating... I'm sorry, I just very rudely interrupted you there. Well, it better be good. Rewind all the way back to Ledworth. She was dating Rory and kissing perfect strangers for a living. No, because she was a kissogram in the first episode and her and Rory weren't together then. They were totally together. He they thought they were together. No, did he? Yeah. I think he fancied her. I don't did think he they were not- an item. Were they not an item? I in think, the very first yeah, episode. Yeah, a couple of years passed between the first and the yeah. second episode. Or the main action in the first. Really? The they weren't the dating? Like I feel like they were dating. I don't think so. Okay. Because Doc kept talking about the handsome one and being like, you should date him. And then jump forward two years later and then we introduced to her boyfriend and everyone expects a handsome guy and actually it's Rory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Rory's just the long-standing school friend at the very beginning. Yeah. Really? And okay. I think he's been in love with her forever, but she has okay. not looked in his direction. Okay. Yeah. No more kissing. Sorry, Amy Pond. After that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> For anyone. I was thinking they can probably have, they will have thought up some pretty cool, really sexually charged narratives. Arresting centurions. <laughs> Gladiatorial. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's very inspiring stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay. But anything else? I just like to say, I like to put on record that I thought that the scene of Michael Gambon raising his arm as if to strike his past self and how fraught that was and the camera f- flash backing back and forth and all that stuff and it was done to the absolute height of melodrama. It's way too much for me. It completely lost me. I didn't think, why would he hit himself? It's not his son he's yeah, hitting. Yeah, there was no point in... The, sorry. The first scene when he was about to hit the boy that had thrown Timmy. something at him, little Timmy... That you believed that. Yeah, um, yeah and Timmy's the, just a poor pleb. Exactly, and the restraint that he showed in not hitting, and that was really interesting, because it's like, you're about to let 4,000 people die, but you won't hit a child. There was something there. And then when they replayed it again, it's just like, oh, well, that came out of nowhere. Why are you hitting yourself? Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, a, Stop hitting a, yourself. Uh, 100% <laughs> agree with that. Yeah, it was a non sequitur. Yeah. The, the anger was directed at the wrong person. Yeah. He was angry at the doctor for putting those two together, and for was, showing his younger self what he turns into. Yeah. Why would he make that even worse by hitting his younger self? Exactly. And the sad part is once, once he'd actually lowered his arm, Gambon is such a great actor that it became extremely affecting. Yeah. And you really did believe how heartbroken and sad he was and the kid was you know being swept along with it and the kid's a good actor by himself i'm sure and but it just followed on the heels of ugh. Mm. yeah but i also like the second twist oh wait what's the second twist we talked about the first twist of hey guess what you're your past future oh right yeah <laughs> but the second twist was when whoops i've changed you too much the isomorphic oh, flashy oh, washy yeah. lighty whitey thing doesn't, doesn't work anymore you. yeah which reminded me very much of the 11th hour when there was a similar twist there that they then had to sort of figure out in addition. Okay. It was good. I'm just saying it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, wait. I think this introduces another problem that they don't address in the episode. Uh-oh. And that is that the machine that his dad invented 
it's effectively it's technological blackmail because they even let through a few fish now and then to scare the populace. And yeah, when he's in a bad mood. Exactly. And surely part of the happy ending should be, well, now we're going to deactivate whatever it is, ferry all the fish over to where the fucking sea is, and so we can see the sky and we're no longer plagued no, by sharks. You're right. But because he's no longer compatible with the contraption itself. But nobody is. Exactly. They dead. are now cursed with sharks forever. Yeah. But yeah, in, th- in that universe where he has changed so much that the machine doesn't recognise him, that machine would never have been programmed. Like, it's either programmed to him well, it's, currently... It's programmed by his dad. Or it's not... Oh, like, the isomorphic thing. There's no one to pass it on to. Like, when his dad died... Well, did you also think that his dad was oddly absent while the doctor was hanging around during his adolescence? It's like, it's oh, like hey, Christmas you're... you're a- Eve. Sorry? Hate- it was only Christmas Eve. Yeah, and Scrooge works, sorry, Stooge works on Christmas Eve, <laughs> yeah. as we know. He's, oh, yeah, he's you're in right. He's super bad it's mood. He just has to pay off the babysitters. You're right, you're right. Yeah. You're right. They he's don't like, care, they want a Christmas Eve off. Yeah, and while well, Stooge is giving everyone a bumper crop of fish because he's so <laughs> anti festive. <laughs> but yeah, you change Calzron enough and the fish problem just goes away because as soon as his dad died, he would have inherited the whole thing and then said, right, okay, we're not going to stop torturing people with fish now and I'll let all the frozen people out. But he doesn't. Yeah. But he, but that doesn't happen. He changes him to the point where that would have happened, mm. but he can't make that happen because he's no longer compatible with the But that's what I'm saying. There should have been... There's more changes. Like there's a middle ground? That should have happened. I don't know. What, you think I that know. young Kazran, after having experienced the final scene in which they're standing there going, you're not isomorphic anymore, he then gets taken by the doctor back in time, and then the dad takes a reading off young Kazran after having experienced that, and thus the machine is isomorphic to him yeah. in the future. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Well. Hmm. I feel like that's one of those other things that maybe the doctor could have used to resolve the situation without manipulating two or more lives. Like, he could have used his time machine to go back and manipulate the machine itself. Yeah. Not tamper with anyone, and then Scrooge McDuck remains the bad guy. Stooge McDuck. Stooge McDuck remains, sorry, thank you. He remains the bad guy at the end, no longer compatible with the machine, because now it's isomorphically coded to the Doctor, or to Abigail, or to Timmy, to Timmy. It would be a very different... You're just rewriting the whole episode now. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm not sure it's better telly when you do it. No. It, no, no, no. I, 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 <laughs> it's all also not necessarily a better idea of the Doctor's, but at the very least, it's not taking the... Like, it's the moral high ground, because he's carrying out retribution appointed, directed against the bad guys, or the bad guy, namely Stooge McDuck, and he is rewarding the good guys, namely the 4,000 innocent people aboard the spaceship. Mm. I do think, when you say it like that, though, I think that I have kind of had problems with the morality of it and, like, should the Doctor be going back and doing this? But actually, I think it makes for a really wonderful story. And I did definitely get swept along with the story and his journey and wanting to see him change and wanting to, to find happiness, even if it's only... Really briefly, bless him with Abigail. and Really briefly, um, and now he's got an expensive funeral to defray. He's a, <laughs> he's a millionaire. He can afford a funeral. Oh, he's like, going to be lavishing turkeys on the populace. He's going to be broke in weeks. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's a very tragic story, obviously. The sad but, dissolution of a hard-earned fortune. <laughs> oh. yeah. 
But I, yeah, I think to do it a different way, to just go back and mess with the equipment, you lose all that growth and that story development. And oh, absolutely. I, I'm not denying that in yeah. any way. This is the better story, but the yeah. other is the more narratively coherent behavior of the Doctor. Yeah. That's yeah. what the Doctor would do. Yeah. yeah. If this weren't a Christmas special, he would do that, and that would then end the, like, that's the callback at the end of the episode is Ebenezer Scrooge Stooge hasn't changed at all, but in fact, this episode is about something completely different, and we get to see that instead. Yeah. But, yeah, okay. I can't get away from this. I'm really sorry. This is terrible, and I'll probably cut this. But, I mean, Stooge, he's never been with another person. He's never been in another relationship. There might be one of those Independence Day-like scenes where it's like, you don't want to die a virgin, do you? Fucking, no, I can't. Yeah. No, no. He's, got, he's got to change his name from Stooge to Splooge McDuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but also, <laughs> No, no, okay. But yeah, you do, you do sort of think you've got one day to spend with the love of your life. Are you really spending it riding around in a shark? Like- well, probably. There's also like this really awkward age difference between them now yeah, because he's about thrice his, yeah. her age. I did want to mention that as well because in the beginning, like, she's obviously quite a lot older and he's a kid and that's really creepy in its own right. But then at the end, the age gap, it's too much, but it's also... Endearing in a way. It's not endearing. No, from her well, point of view. From her point of view, it's... Wifey. From her point of view, it's nice because she comes out and she still loves him and he's her casual. And she she even says, like, oh, you waited like. too long, yeah, didn't you? That it, that's sad. very sweet, I think. But I just, on the other hand, from a like kind of feminist perspective, there are so many films where that is the age gap and that is how old the man is and that is how young the woman is and they're supposed to be in love and it's just like, it's too much. It never happens the other way around. And she's this beautiful, perfect, pristine woman with the beautiful wig and the beautiful voice. <laughs> And he's this crusty old man. But there's Woody Allen. Yeah. But there's, (laughs) isn't it also, thematically, there's the thing that, like, I mean, really sorry, Ebenezer Stooge, but, like, they're both at the end of their lives. He's the old character of this episode, is what I mean. He's clearly older than everyone else in the episode. And she is literally on her last day. Yeah. So they're both... She matures at a different rate. You know, psychologically, a day to her means a lot more than a day means to anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, they could both be falling asleep for the last time. Oh. I mean, it's sad, but I mean, effectively, that's kind of it. Like, she, they have both lived out their lives. That's yeah. my point. Yeah. Right? It just happens that she's still young and hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, either of them... <laughs> In flagrante delicto, could be yeah. like they're closing their eyes, they're really enjoying this. No, wait, they're dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> not that old. Also, I have another trope. Okay, let's hear it. Oh, it's okay how badly Amy treats Rory as long as they snog at the end of the scene. Mm. Oh, we also got that in um, Vampires of Venice, mm. where she's like, "Fuck you, I want to do everyone but you." But here's a kiss, and he's like, "You know, I forgive you." Yeah. Oh, you kissed the doctor on the eve of, eve of our, our wedding, wedding day? Yeah. It's like, oh, I forgive you. Yeah. Snog. Yeah. And also, you pointed this out, Drew, I think. Yeah. And connected to that, the doctor and Amy throughout this episode are constantly saying shut up to people. Mm. Oh, really? Did you not notice? I didn't notice. Did you sorry. notice? Like yeah, the I noticed kid- Amy. What does the doc say? He says it to young Kazran a couple of times. Oh, shut up. And oh, just like four or five or six times, there's no sort of witty comeback in an episode with a lot of good lines. Yeah. It's just shut up. Mm. No, that's it's not particularly endearing. No, and it's also it's cheap. Yeah, it's lazy writing. Lazy writing. Why doesn't the doctor let Kazran out of the wardrobe? But young Kazran, when the tiny baby fish is there and he's going, "Oh, it's so cute! Look how cute you are!" 
And he goes, oh, can I come see? All my school friends have got stories about fish. I've never seen a fish. And Doc says, no, you must wait in that wardrobe because... Yeah, you're right. He doesn't, <laughs> know, he doesn't know there's a shark Why? there. No, and then, obviously then the shark comes, then you stay That's in the wardrobe. But, but he also obviously doesn't expect there to be a shark. No, he should have said, yeah, yeah, come look. It's really cool. It's yeah. a floating fish. Quickly. Yeah. Before, like, <laughs> before bad things happen, because with me, they typically do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you'll have a story to tell, but he's not there for most of it. And, and also, wait, wait, whom is he going to tell? He doesn't really know anyone else. Does he, does he go to a normal school? I get the feeling he's yeah, homeschooled by one of the butlers. school saw the fish and he was homesick. Why doesn't he have any friends? Because his dad's so horrible and he keeps him locked up. And what we don't see after that scene is his dad just beating him all Christmas Day for breaking a window and yeah. smashing a door and causing untold damage to the interior furnishing. Oh, my goodness. That was that kid's worst Christmas. Well, he will probably uh, say something about the shark, right? I'm sure he can prove that the shark was there and then the father's going to go, oh, fuck, that's my fault because I let the shark let through. The shark but- exactly. Yeah. Who? 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 I like the famous song, yeah. So the, the, uh, I, I can see that being Yeah, because the father is famously even-handed. <laughs> no, but the father might go, actually, you know what? Fuck, this is the wake-up call that I've been waiting for, that I've been needing. I let a shark into town, and that shark went straight into my kid's no, bedroom. he says, I closed that goddamn window. What are you opening it for and letting sharks into my bedroom? Um, doesn't the shark blow out the window, though? But it co- oh, but- it doesn't. It comes through the window. And into the basement. Okay, here's another question. What happens to all the people in the basement? We never find out what he does with the people in the basement. Actually, yeah, they should be flooding onto the streets, going like, hooray, Kazran's changed. Exactly. And the community should be saying, isn't this nice? Like at the end of Scrooged. Mm. Goodness sake. Yeah. But then he can't oh, just Scrooge let them all out. is a good version of it. Yeah. You can't it, just let them all out because the planet's overpopulated and they'll all die of malnutrition. Okay, also true. surplus population. They got yeah. all these fish to eat in the clouds. <laughs> yeah. No one's running short of omega 3s. They are weirdly primitive mm. compared to the super modern TNG esque starship that arrives. Yeah. They're meant to be more, certainly more advanced time wise. The whole intro of the episode being like, oh, we used to call it Christmas and then we called it something else. And then oh, it was the crystal, line. whatever it was. And really? then it was the that something. Line? That halfway out of the dark. Oh, yeah. I specifically don't like that. Oh, line. don't you? Because the winter solstice is peak dark. It's as far into the dark as you get. It is, yeah. Yeah, but that's the point of it. You're halfway into the dark period. No. Yeah, you're halfway so in the dark, you're, you're not halfway out of it. The halfway yes. out of the dark would be the spring solstice. So is this a... Miriam and I were... We also talked about this last night because we couldn't make any sense of it. And we both asked and could not answer, is this an English Christmas expression? No. I it's not. So. I've okay. never heard it. What? What an English Halfway into the dark. Is that something like a set expression? I think that was that's my theory. original to this show. Oh, okay. No, I think it's oh, okay. lovely though. Because the idea is that that's, but it the, makes long, no that's sense. the shortest day, so it's the longest period of darkness. So from then on in, the days get lighter. Oh, I see. Like going, stepping into the light. Yeah, but on December... No, no, that makes sense. On December yeah. the 22nd, you don't say, we're more than halfway out the dark. You're still like, this is the second fuckest darking day of the year. <laughs> no, you don't. You say, look, look, it got dark at 4.02, not 4.01. Yeah, and then I say, big fucking deal, it's 4.03, and it's like we're plunged into eternal night. <laughs> no, I think that's Moffat trying to sort of join the lexicon, 
the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations. Mm. This this came from Doctor Who, and it spread like wildfire across the English-speaking world. No, sorry, mate. <laughs> you busted flush there. I Am I right in thinking there's an episode of Seinfeld where they all try to add a term to the Dictionary of Quotations? I think it's Seinfeld. Or am I thinking of Sounds Friends? Right. No, I think it's like, Yeah, I think it is Seinfeld. Not no, it's not friends. <laughs> I think it is Seinfeld. And I think they, they know there's. A and occasionally they just say something so, like to them it just sounds incredibly profound, but yeah. clearly never works. But yeah. yeah, related to that, there's an episode of Seinfeld where they try and um, get double dipping into the language, and it did enter the language. Is that a Seinfeldism? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But at the same time, in the same episode, shrinkage was mentioned. Oh, I remember and, Shrinkage. And that spread much further and faster and they wrote Double Dipping. To they go to Martha's Vineyards and George, yes. Summer of George! <laughs> <laughs> That's a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> he's just been swimming and he's changing and the doors open and the, his love interest of the episode just happens to walk past and sees his tiny dick and, oh. and like, sniggers. And he spends the entire rest of the episode like demonstrating how things shrink when they come into oh. contact with water. <laughs> And that was the phrase that stuck immediately. Oh, bless him. <laughs> That's a great episode. Bing bong, future Drew back when. Yeah, you heard right, podcast land. Just so that we can end this episode actually on a Doctor Who point, I really like the opening scene and the way that the scenes in general were allowed to breathe more by the longer episode. Bing bong. Ladies and gents of podcast land, in the spirit of openness and honesty, we just had a quick little chat and it doesn't seem like we have any other points to raise. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you do. <laughs> maybe you do. First, shall we rate this thing? Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. La. I will start. Oh, let's hear it. Okay. So I th- the first time I watched this episode, I really got swept along with it. I lo- it was so, so Christmassy. I love the kind of Christmas carol take. I know that you think it's, well, it is a complete rip-off, but I don't know, it was quite sweet. I liked all the singing. Yeah, so the first time I really loved it, but then the second time I watched it, sort of start to be a bit more analytical, start to kind of pull things apart a little bit. And it, it kind of, it did bother me that the kind of main female character doesn't have any sort of agency whatsoever. And she's frozen. She is a like sleeping beauty frozen in time. It's, it's such a kind of done stereotype of a female damsel in distress kind of thing Hmm. and just it would be really nice to see it done the other way around one time like why couldn't there be a cranky old woman um, yeah good point and a man in a freezer like that's possible and they never seem to do that and that i don't know david copperfield is an entirely different dickens (laughs) novel we'll get there next time maybe and then yeah as we've been talking about it we've kind of pulled more holes in it and i think my ratings kind of come down a little bit but i did i did enjoy it it did make me feel very christmasy on a weirdly misty april day today maybe (laughs) maybe Um, even slightly foggy slightly foggy it was (laughs) (laughs) i was looking out for fish on the way over (laughs) um I don't think I'm going to go very high. Even, no, because, no, because I'm really torn because I thought Michael Gambon was fantastic. And I think there are certain parts of this, there were some really, really great performances. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I have two ratings in my head. Okay. Yeah, so do I. Go for it. One's a 3.5 and one's a 2.8, so. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Go in the middle. You never go in the middle. You're <laughs> famous for not going in the middle. <laughs> Sorry, I'll go. Well, no, I know, I don't know. I go three. I'll go two point eight. 
I like Michael Gambon a lot. But not to a 3.5 level. But not to a 3.5 level. <laughs> no. No, I do like it. Oh, oh no. no. Here we go. 3.2. 3.2. Okay. Drew, okay. <laughs> what did you think? Well, I'm glad you asked. I actually wrote one this week. <laughs> nice. Ooh. There were lots of bits to like in this. There was a harem scare and rush between Acts 1 and 3 that I didn't see coming. Which is, which is nice because... <laughs> I had no idea that they were going to suddenly go into this massive icebox full of freezer people and get one out and just go on mm. holidays with her. I mean, that's not something you can predict. No. Until true. it happens. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I like that Kazaran's own past was open for manipulation. And even if I was reminded a bit of, of New Earth with its hospital of the diseased, how can anyone fail to love this heartwarming tale of how the ultimate Grouch died, eaten alive by his younger self? who would forever after remember fondly the Christmas when his love died. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Michael Gambon does a really excellent job, zigzagging from bitter to redeemed and back again. One could even say he is a champion of the zigzag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of naff moments that Amy Rory Arc continues to vex. I think Karen Gillan did well with what limited screen time she had. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Nine. Wow. Yeah, I think it was mostly pretty good. Okay. Interesting. I've raised my score a little bit since my original rating, but originally I wanted to give this a 2.8. Agreeing with pretty much everything that you said, it's interesting. Manipulating a future life by, you know, manipulating a past life to change the future, that's that's very interesting. It's immoral. (laughs) It's dreadful. It's undoctor-like. But it is very interesting. The fact that it doesn't have a, a happy ending, also very undoctor-like, mm. as in it doesn't have that full happy ending. It stands out from most episodes for that reason. It makes it slightly more profound. Also, from a utilitarian standpoint, you can't argue with 4,003 lives. Also true. Oh. Even though he clearly can, he does for the whole of the first act. That was another thing I wanted to say that was kind of bringing it down. Is I think you touched on it earlier, is that you don't care about those 4,003 Not lives. at all. Like, they're so... You don't even care about the, I think, three or maybe four people on the bridge yeah. that we actually get to see, the captain, the, the LaForge, zero. and whoever the third person is. Like You don't care about them at all. No. No, fuck them. slightly, yeah. Uh, no. Mm. Pookie and LaForge. <laughs> Such a good name. Crime fighting team. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Pookie and the Forge. <laughs> Damn it, Pookie, I do things by the book. <laughs> the Forge, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, fine. I'm going to give this a 3.1. If I had not rewatched it at all last night, and I would have been asked to rate my memory of this episode from back in 2000 and whatever it was when this aired, 2000 and... 10. 2010? 2010, my goodness. We're going to be in 2011 from the next episode. Oh, the super exciting! (laughs) Uh, I probably would have given this a way higher score. Really? I remember really thinking that this was a beautiful, very sort of romantic episode. Mm. And it wasn't. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> Massive calm down. It wasn't the beautiful fairy tale that I remember it being. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, 3.1. Shall we hear from uh, Podcast Land? Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. We've only received one at the time of recording this, so uh, potentially... The others will need to be Future Pond or Future Marie or Future Drood. Yeah, you heard right, Podcast Land. Or Ghost of Future. Christmas Future. Uh, yeah. Ghost of Podcast Future? Ghost of Podcast Future. 
Yes. Yes. So who is it from? I'm glad you asked. This one's from Tracy Tracy from from America. America. Not Tracy Seeger. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't really like this one, says Tracy. Can't quite figure out why. Was it the lack of Amy and Rory? Was it the bleak set design throughout? The implausible fish plot elements? How were they able to defy gravity? Just how? They swam through the electrons, Tracy. (laughs) Oh, yes, of course, the ice crystals. Yeah. That that didn't (laughs) abrade the faces of anyone flying through the sky at unfathomable speeds. Microscopic ice crystals. (laughs) <laughs> At the very least, they would have come out with glowing skin. Exactly. Because it's the best facial scrub available. Yeah. Wouldn't those ice crystals have to fill all of uh, Ebenezer Stooge's room as well, and the street and everything? The mist. Yeah, but the fish only come down when it's misty. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm with Tracy on this one. It, it's, it's a lovely fantasy <laughs> element. Exactly, yeah. Oh, when, like, don't question it, Tracy. What are you they, doing? When they opened the TARDIS door and, he was like, and they're all like, oh, it's so great in here. And he's like, no, I saved my spectacular for out there. And then oh, you see all the fish swimming. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is yeah, gorgeous. That's nice. But at the same time, he also does have that line of, oh, I love a really well-realised alien planet. Thank you, Stephen Moffat, for writing this. Yeah. I could not be happier. <laughs> it's, it's too self-congratulatory. Mm. <laughs> so Tracy goes on, I believe. Oh. Um, <laughs> was it the bittersweet ending for Kazran and Abigail? Maybe it felt too easy for the writers to simply copy this classic story. Or maybe I just love the Muppet Christmas Carol too much <laughs> yes. to get behind any other version of the story. Regardless, Tracy concludes, this one didn't really do it for me. I'll give it my standard dislike rating of 0.5. Oh, this is the sta- wait, this is the standard dislike rating? I've never heard this before. Yeah, Tracy, what is this? I, I would have guessed her standard dislike rating was a limping unicorn or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and no, a hedgehog with a headache. Oh. <laughs> And Tracy finishes. See you folks next week when we can get back to a proper story arc episode. Oh, indeed. Catch you then. Thank you very much, Tracy, from America. People of Podcast Land who are not Tracy, you can follow Tracy online. She is at Yekatnyadnuf. That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards. Nice one. Quick spoiler. So Ooh. turn off now if you don't want to spoiler. You're okay. leaving the show. Um, no. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were reading up the TARDIS trivia to see if, if he did wear a bow tie the whole way through, because I never spotted it. And someone wrote that um, there's a little clue about the future, just to go in with the, Chase said we want to get back to the story arc, there's a little clue about future potential baby pond, um, <gasps> because the 4003, there's like 4000 people on the ship. And then when the doc comes and gets his reading, he goes 4003, which oh is my goodness. Rory, Amy third one is little bean so he he saved his wife's life in a sense in this episode yeah yeah i think so wow wow this is the first time that we get to meet river song sort of so the standard population is four thousand plus honeymoon suite well that's exactly (laughs) what i said it's like who did they kick out of the honeymoon suite then because if the shit's fully booked they just saved that empty in case anyone gets engaged mid-flight yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's like if you turn up to the bar and say, it's my birthday. They're like, great, now we can put you in the birthday suite. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Free birthday drinks suit. for you all. <laughs> it's a nice theory. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 
Okay. Sorry, I spaced out there for a second because I wanted to look up what is the Latin phrase that Brian has to write in Life of Brian. Like he writes, it's Romani ite domum. Yeah. Uh, Romanes aeum domus. What? (laughs) Romans, they go the house. (laughs) Because I was thinking like, what does the interior of the honeymoon suite look like? It's nothing but like (laughs) questionable stains and Romani ite domum on the walls everywhere. <laughs> yeah, do not UV light the honeymoon. Suite. No, 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 no. That, that's ejected into space after every trip, and they just fit a new one. <laughs> Fantastic! Bing bong, future Drewback when again. I got some future listener minis to future plop into the episode as the ghost of Doc Past Future. Shit, I said it. Anyway, the first one is from Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Michael begins, things I liked. There's a list, wouldn't you know? Number one, Grumpy Paddy. Number two, Flying Jaws, until they ride it on a sled. Boo! Three, Doctor Only episode with timey-wimey stuff. Though there is something sinister in the Doctor changing people's persona by interfering in their timelines. Number four, rather contrary, a moving, feel-good vibe. But then, Michael counters these with some boofs. Number one, it's just supposed to be a screwdriver. Number two. So did Abigail um, die on Christmas Day? Sort of puts a downer on it all. Number three. Was it an overly tame episode? It lacked a genuine threat and a really malevolent baddie. Equivalent to the Ragnar Sycorax, murderous servant robots, the master, or a giant stomping mecha cyber king of previous Christmas outings. All good points, Michael. Michael summarises a safe, enjoyable, and entertaining and tear-jerking yawn. Sorry, he says yarn. Though it would have been better if the shark had eaten a few people and not pulled a sled. And Michael gives it a rating of 3.3 out of 5 flying snark-infested clouds. Thanks, Michael. Love you, Michael. But why didn't you mention the seventh doctor? Is there no parallel to be drawn? If anyone's going to find it, it's you. We're relying on you, man. The second future mini is from Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two S's. I thought we weren't going to see you till later in the series, Trenton, but here you are. And you begin. Doctor Who does a Christmas carol. Why not? As we've seen in the past, Doctor Who can effectively pull from books, see the brain of Morbius for Doctor Who does Frankenstein. But this is definitely the best Doctor Who has done. Heck, it even kind of works as an adaptation of Charles Dickens' classic. The Scrooge character was wonderfully done. Definitely felt like Scrooge. The bits where the Doctor is with the younger Scrooge, I'm calling him Scrooge because it's easy to remember, were done so well. This is Matt Smith at his finest. He is funny when he wants to be funny, and serious when he needs to be serious. He acts like a kid with the younger Scrooge. He's not a responsible adult, but he's dead serious with the older Scrooge. If I had to recommend a perfect 11th Doctor episode, it would be a fight between this and Vincent and the Doctor. Even though this episode is called A Christmas Carol, the episode doesn't spend time shoving that Christmas feel down our throats. I mean, The Christmas Invasion, Tennant's first Christmas special, was filled to the brim with stupid Christmas stuff like robot Santas and killer Christmas trees. This is more subtle with its Christmas. I mean, we get those Christmas elements, but they aren't meant to be played for laughs like in Christmas Invasion. The tone here is a bit more serious with the comedic elements sprinkled in. Overall, this is the perfect Doctor Who Christmas special. It's not super serious or a comedic pantomime. We find that middle ground that this episode needed to have. Smith is brilliant. It serves as a great adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and I would feel comfortable watching this in the middle of July. Definitely earns its 4.0 out of 5. Thank you so much, Trenton. You can follow Trenton online. I'm sure you know where. Back to the show. Bing bong. So what is the what's the next episode? The Impossible Astronauts! Woo! Oh my goodness! 
Yes, exciting stuff. So exciting. Looking forward to that. Mm. Until the next time, you can say hello to us uh, online. Uh, Drew, you are at? Drew Beckwin. Excellent branding. You can high five me online as well. High five. And I'll high five you right back. (laughs) (laughs) High five. I am at Pumpkin. You know how to spell that. If you don't, it's my loss. We are collectively at Who Back When, so say hello. Thank you again for being such a lovely audience. Until next time, rock on and ciao-ciao. Bye-bye. Toodles. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends. I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode until then ciao ciao who back when